And once we get that right, which is for me the most important thing, that they have, first of all, respect. The second one is commitment. The third one, passion. Those three ingredients are non-negotiable. Hello and welcome into the Non-Negotiables podcast. I'm Gavin. I'm here tonight with Pascal. How you doing, Paz? What's up, Gav? And Justin. How you doing, mate? Hey, hey. So, the new season is upon us. Um, the last warm-up on Wednesday night is is over and done with. 1-1 draw with Monaco. One on penalties to lift the prestigious Emirates Cup for the seventh time. Record holders, you know. No one's won the Emirates Cup more than us. So, that's that's an achievement right there. Um, there's quite a bit to unpack from this game, I think. Um, Paz, the starting lineup, were you a bit surprised by exactly how almost experimental it was? Slightly, slightly, but then I guess you know, we knew Zinchenko was out, so that's why Timber was at left back. Um, I, in, in I think, uh, and I've talked about this before, but uh, I think it, it kind of nailed on the fact that Balogun is out of the door now. I think there's no, it's unequivocal now, now that there is no, I don't think there's any part he's going to have to, he's going to be playing. They're going to be selling him because again, in Ketia starts, he wasn't in the squad. Um, yeah, it was, it was a slight surprise, but um, I, I think that's been kind of what we've been doing a lot in preseason because we've got these new signings and he's just trying to kind of, embed them in somehow and um you know the big one is obviously the one we're going to talk about over the weekend um so it was a slight surprise but not not overly does do you think the fact that we'd just come back from the west coast of the u.s had something to do with it because i was really surprised to see rice and parties start together um we'll, we'll go into a bit more detail on that on that later but i was surprised at that i was surprised that habits on the bench i was surprised it was eddie and not Trossard, I was surprised that Smith Rowe started instead of Erdegaard. Um, Saka, we gather, had a little bit of an illness. But it was, you know, me and you both thought that this would be a pretty full strength team going into the next couple of games. And it was anything but. Yeah, this is kind of a tough one for me, Gav. Um, <clears throat> I guess what I would guess is that, um, you know, he's trying to get final minutes into legs. Uh, I think that explains Tomiyasu again. Uh, Timber uh, is probably going to have to fill in at left back uh, with Zinchenko out, although I guess we'll probably talk about that later too, right, internationally. Um, Enkedia <clears throat> uh, makes sense with the Jesus injury. Um I think uh I think I think everybody's got a right to worry a little bit about uh how Rice has been but uh overall uh it just seemed like trying to uh rotate legs to me and making sure everybody's a bit fit but to be fair i expected more uh full strength lineup considering this is the last friendly before the charity cup and pass we've Havertz. I mean, I thought Havertz was absolutely now to start. I mean, if you're going to try and move him into a new position like we have been doing, then it just makes sense. But then when you look at it, he's played more minutes than anyone, I would guess, pre-season, right? Because he even played in that Nuremberg game where most of the people had the had the night off. 
So was this just a case, like I said, of you know we've flown back from the US and Judge was saying you need to get minutes in certain legs, and I think he's he's probably right about that. This this was just rotated simply for minutes. Yeah, and and, and remember the um, the Community Shield games on Sunday, so it's not far away actually from from that Wednesday game. Um, so I think maybe there's a bit of thought in that. Maybe it kind of gives an indicator of what he's going to start with on Sunday. Funnily enough, because um, we're probably going to see Odegaard, of course. Um, Saka, we know, was unwell. So we know he's going to be starting. That's that's a given. I'm pretty sure Martelli comes in. I would assume Trossard goes up front. Um, so I, I think it was more, I think, a bit of what Justin's saying there in that the, the peripheral players probably getting a little bit of game time and then maybe also looking ahead to Sunday where the main starters, which we expect to see. Now, whether that's Havertz, I don't know. I don't know if he sees Rice and Party together. I, I, I would think he doesn't. I think he sees Rice and Havertz in the middle of the park. Um, but, it, yeah, uh, he, he sometimes has made some decisions through the preseason was a bit difficult to guess, uh, even with some of the transfers, as we'll talk about later on. But, um yeah, so I, I, I think my hunch is Havertz starts on Sunday, hence why he didn't play. And we'll see Rice in the in the um in the in the the hole. Sorry, in the uh, in, uh, in front of the back four. Yeah, as you were saying about worrying about Rice, I'm I'm not worried about Rice. I mean he was still playing competitive football. He was playing in a cup final in June. So I'm I'm not worried about it. I just don't think he's he's not had a lot of time to bed in. He was the last one to join up with the squad. Then he picked up the injury and couldn't be risked in the last game against Barcelona because of how bad that field was. Um, I think he probably just needs to get minutes in them legs, right? Because he did look leggy. Excuse me. Yeah, I'm not worried about Rice, to be honest. Um, I've just I've seen the opinion online a lot, which I wanted to address. Um, I think Rice is going to be fine. I do. Uh, I think there's there is an adjustment to being a lone six at Arsenal versus being in kind of a uh, a bit of a double pivot like he was with uh, Sushak at West Ham, and um, but I think overall he's going to be fine. I wouldn't be surprised though to see uh, Party starting as the lone six in our first game. Um, let's just kind of see what happens there. But um, yeah, I'm not I'm not super worried about Rice. I've just I, I've seen the opinion online that he's kind of um, uh, what uh, under delivered. I guess. I mean, it's. I mean, it's a bit harsh when he's only played it's three preseason yeah. friendlies. But yeah, absolutely, but it's, it, it, it's harsh. Yeah, he's. I, I mean, agree. he's going to take an adaption period, and and you know, Paz Jussie saying that he, he can see party starting there. I actually agree with him. I can see part of starting as well um maybe the first couple of games as he just gets uh just gets used to that role a little bit it's possible for that reason yeah because it's such a niche role and it's something that party when he's fully fit when he's in good form can adopt it really well it's not and he took him a few years i think to really nail that role on so it's going to take a bit of time um but i i my assumption i could be wrong um is that the idea is to put Rice in that role further on when he is adapted and then have Harberts ahead. That's what I would think. But it, it's a difficult one because I think Party, if he's if he's on his game, we've talked about this, he can be excellent in that role. 
I think there were clips. That, 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 I mean, I, I went more by clips. So you you probably you saw it um, where he was showing what he can do in that role. That quick change of thought, quick change of pass, transition quickly. Um, so you know, it, it, it's it's a good dilemma to have, um, and it's a dilemma we've not had for a long time. Yeah, I can see Partey starting on Sunday, actually, and then Rice starting against Forest at home. Mm. You know, it, it, it kind of that sort of makes a bit of sense to me to do that. Um, I think Havertz will start Sunday as well. I think him being left on the bench was more of a indication that he will play than he than he won't play on Sunday. But the the performance was a bit disjointed. Just, I mean, in total, we didn't look at it. Monaco looked at it from the start. We looked like a side that had just flown eight thousand miles around the world, um, and Monaco were up for it. I thought it was a really good test, and I think this is the. I think it was a very good game, actually. Not not in terms of watching, but in terms of us for our preparation. I don't think we could have chosen many better opponents because they went for it, and we needed that test. Yeah, I think that's definitely true, Gaff. Um, I think it was a really good test for us. Uh, Monaco's not a bad side by any means, and this close to season starting, um, I think you're going to be, you know, uh, you know, hard dealt to find a, a better side to play. Um, but that being said, I think um, I there there was a, a a few question marks that I had, you know, about the lineup. Uh, you know, about Rice even uh, in the left eight, which I don't think he's going to feature for us much in the left eight. But, um, you know, overall, I think Monaco was a very uh, competitive, uh, put-together side. And, and, I mean, they gave us a pretty good run for their money, especially being away away from home. So, um, you know, uh, and, you know, the Arsene Wenger ties as well, which I'm sure we're going to get into. But I, I, think it, I think it was a brilliant, uh, you know, last preseason friendly. Yeah, and just on that quickly, Rice in the left eight. I'm I'm with you. I don't think we're going to see that much, if at all, in actual games. I just think Rice needs the minutes in his legs, possibly more than anyone else in the squad, because obviously he was the last one back. And I think it might have just, um, you know, and we've got to remember Partey also. Joined the US tour late. He wasn't there for the whole of preseason. So I think the two of them basically might have just needed to get the minutes in their legs. And it just happened to be that's the way round they were. Did you see it that way? Yeah, I, I, I did. And just like, uh, I mean, I think Timber is another good example of that. Um, I, I'm not convinced Timber is going to be starting at left back. I mean, I guess, you, you know, we're still waiting to see what's up with Zinchenko. But I think a lot of Timbers minutes this preseason has just been about uh, getting minutes in his legs and getting adapted to how the team plays. Uh, you know, Tomiyasu as well, just the, the, the past, you know, two friendlies. So, uh, yeah, I think there's a lot of that because, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, preseason more than anything is about fitness. Yeah, we've... Our preseason this year, though, compared to our preseason last year, was night and day. Pass. We were firing on all cylinders early on last year. We got a first eleven set early, and we looked like we were ready to go. I don't think you can be much further away from that than where we are right now. I'm not going to say I'm worried. I'm not even really concerned. 
But I do think there's a good chance that we are a little bit slow out of the blocks this year. That doesn't mean I think we're going to be losing games left, right and centre. But I think it might be a little bit more of a slog to start the season than we would have hoped for. There is an element of thought that that is the case. But I try and look at it also from a positive element in that we have a much bigger... We have more depth to deal with than we did possibly when we were coming into the season last year. Um, Because obviously it was pretty easy, relatively easy, with the addition of Jesus and Zinchenko, it was relatively easy to foment our first eleven. I think now with the additions that we've got, it makes it a little bit more challenging because there is better quality. So I guess with that, it is going to take a little bit more time. You're probably going to see, a lot, as we've been seeing, a lot of experimental formations and positions. Yes, hasn't been convincing. I didn't. I just thought that Barcelona game, I'm not even going to judge that because it looked kind of just a bit, it really looked like a preseason game. It looked like a warm-up match, to be honest. Um, well, Bar- Barca didn't take it that way because I think it was that tackle that might have been what injured yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Um, but... Um, I um I, I I I see your concern because I do have a bit of that. I think I think Sunday we we probably are gonna make we're we're really gonna get an idea of what that first eleven is that he wants to start with against Forest. Usually that is the case with the the Community Shield and the fact that it's Man City. As you said about the squad being being bigger having a lot more depth to it. Are we going to have to get a little bit used to the fact that we've, you know, we've spent so long, guess the first 11, you know, we all knew it was, maybe it's Trossard, Martinelli out at the left wing, but other than that, we knew it was. Are we going to have to get used to a little bit more of, well, it might be Zinchenko at left back, but then it could be Timber at left back and Rice mm. could play or Party could play and Smith Rowe's been looking good, so he might come in. Are we just going to have to get used to seeing, to seeing a few more players involved in this? I think so. I, I think that is what Arteta wants. I, I don't think he wants, because um, if we're going to be guessing that, then that's the same for the opponent, right? And I think he doesn't want it to be too obvious what he's putting out every week. Yes, sometimes you want a bit of stability, but as we've seen, and I know it's it's the only real example I can give out of all of the Premier League teams, but as you've seen with Man City, there's no there's certain players that are nailed on, Haaland, for example, De Bruyne, but then there is a a lot of players in there that can move in and out of position, especially defensively. So I think even he's even he's looking at that as a as kind of a, a pointer as to what he might want to do as well, and just keeping the opponent guessing and making them as interchangeable as possible. So I think we're going to have that. We're going to have that. Well, who is going to go in at left back? Will it be Timber if Zinchenko? Will it be Tomiyasu? Who's going at right back? Um, so like what you've already mentioned before, I think we know Saka starts and we know Odegaard starts. Jesus most likely when he's fit. But besides that, maybe Martinelli, you could argue, but besides and Rice, of course. <laughs> but I, besides I that... Like, you... Honestly, mate, I don't think that he's nailed on. I don't think Rice is nailed on. So. No, I don't. I and I don't think Martinelli's nailed on either. You don't think cent- Rice would be, though? No, I think the two centre-backs mm. are nailed on. I think Saka is nailed on, and I think Erdegaard is nailed on. I don't think anyone else is. I don't think Jay, I don't think Jesus is either. I I agree. We might and 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 providing Raya, Raya, Raya does come in, we're probably even talking goalkeeper possibly as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. So I don't. Yeah, so I mean, that is, that is some serious depth 
that yeah. we've got there now. And, yeah. and you know, and Arteta, this is going to be just, this is a different challenge to we had last year. Last year and the year before, really, we had a slimmed down squad, right, that broke down at the end because the strain on it was just too much at the end. It It just got too much with that squad. Arteta has got a very different job this time because now he's got to keep these players happy. And I think you're going to see the team in April is going to look a lot different to the team in August and September. He's got to keep everyone committed in the meantime, right? Like we need these players. We need all of this squad focused in April. And that's going to be a tough task. It's a catastrophically different job, Gav, in my opinion. Um <clears throat> It's easy to go in with a very lean squad and hope everybody stays fit and does their job. Uh, but once you start, you know, I mean, we're packing, what, 18, 19 players at this point, I think, that are all capable of filling in for first-team positions. I'm really interested to see how Arteta's going to handle this because, I mean, I've been uh, – vocal on this podcast about how I think Arteta's subs have been poor, the sub timing has been poor, and you know, I mean, he's obviously way smarter than me, so I'm not trying to be critical of the man himself, just what I see. Um, But I'm very curious to see, now that he actually has a decent full squad, um, how he's going to handle these substitutions. Now everybody's his man, basically. You know, He's brought all these players to the club, and I'm I, I am I'm I'm really curious to see how he's going to handle this. Uh, but yeah, I think there's definitely some unanswered questions there. And I think that the answer is going to be revealed over time. And and some of this stuff that we're thinking may not work. You know, there's a chance that Havertz in the left eight doesn't work, and he might have to go somewhere else with it. There is a chance that inverting both fullbacks doesn't work. There's a chance that inverting both fullbacks does work. So I think over the next few months, this is going to become a lot clearer. Jazz, I want to give you the first shot on this one. Um, sure. Playing without Martin Erdegaard is, I think it's almost like not watching Arsenal right now when Martin Erdegaard doesn't play. He he does so much and he dictates everything that we're almost an unrecognisable team when he's not on a pitch. But Emil Smith-Rowe played there um, on Wednesday night and Honestly, I thought he looked really, really good. I wouldn't choose him for that position. I would rather see him alongside Odegaard than replacing Odegaard. But he's shown real flashes this preseason, which is exactly what we wanted. And I don't think he could have done any more. He's not going to start on Sunday. He's not going to start against Forest. But I do think there's a chance later in the season he could work his way into this team. You've got to be happy with what you've seen from him up to this point. Yeah. <clears throat> To be honest, I couldn't be happier, Gav. Um, I think he's done really well. I think he's dug his heels in and showed he wanted to be here. Mm. Um, I've been impressed. Um, I think uh, I I agree with you that his future is probably not in place of Odegaard. It's probably next to Odegaard. But I'll be really curious to see what happens with Havertz because you don't, Let's be honest, that's a we're taking a big gamble as a club with Havertz in moving him back to midfield. We're talking about a player that was a, a youth phenom, but then played false nine for a dysfunctional club for three years. Um I don't know. It's just gonna be one to watch. And I, I hate to say that. That's probably like a catchphrase 
for me now for listeners that listen to this pod. But I um I think Odegaard and Smith Rowe could be devastating together, at least offensively. Um and I think Smith Rowe honestly deserves the start. He's had a better season in the Prem than Havertz has ever had. Uh given that's left wing. But um yeah, I, I think it's all really promising. I mean, our depth is insane right now when you think about it. Uh, even given most of the depth is players being taken out of position to play somewhere else. But, I mean, our, our depth is the most quality I remember seeing it since, what, 2006? And, Paz, with, with that, the depth thing and players multiple positions and all that, I don't know if you saw Arteta's quotes after the game, but he was asked about Kai Havertz. And for the first time, he wavered a little bit, right? When he come in, it was, he's going to add something to our midfield. When he was asked again after that, he's playing in midfield. When he spoke about him after the game on Wednesday night, he said that he can play in midfield, he can play out wide, and he can play up front or just behind the front man. That's the first time I've heard him suggest anything other than that left eight role for him. Now, I think that he's going to be in that left eight role primarily, at least to start with. But do you think that there's an element of doubt in Arteta's mind? Or do you think he's just trying to see a positive? It's hard to tell. I mean, I I, I, I would think it's more the latter. Um, I mean, I don't think Arteta, knowing how he studies the profile of players, he would have... He would have um, been under researched in what he did with Harberts. There must have been enough research done, especially for the money he's shelled out for him, to know where his positions potentially could be. Um, so I would think it's more the latter. I think he's he he knows he can play in a variety of positions. There might be one that he would favour him in, but also I think there's a recognition that he can play in a variety of roles. Um, I do. I, I think you know, going to what you asked Justin about Smith Rowe, I think it's also um, kind of emblematic of his attitude as well. He's had a rough year. Um, there's been suggestions that he could be on his way. Um, very little time he played last season at moments when you would have hoped he had come on, but he seems to have applied himself really well, and he looks fresh. And it goes back to what we're talking about the depth thing. It, him playing in that Odegaard role and impressing is a good thing because I really wouldn't want to see Fabio Vieira in that role if Odegaard's injured or if Odegaard's suspended or, or you know, for whatever reason. So I think we have a player that can play there if Odegaard is not around. Yeah, you're right. You want Odegaard there, but you need to have someone there who can replace him in times when needed. So I think Smith Rowe's involvement this season could be really, really important. Yes. Fabio Vieira pass brought him up there. Um, he started on the right hand side, and he actually didn't have a he actually didn't have a bad game. He was quite involved. Um, you know, I've said all along that I would like to I would like to see him tried a little bit more out there when you know in these situations or when Saka comes off or whatever. But he's still a little bit weak, and the problems are, the problems that he had still kind of persist. Do you think there's an element here that? Arteta is he's trying to push him into a particular role. You're on mute, just 
my apologies, guys. Um, this is a this is that'll, a that'll be the red wine. Taking a leaf out of my book, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is actually a pretty tough one. Um, I think uh, you, you know Fabio Vieira to me. I mean, he strikes as like the classic uh, ten, right? He's he's a little frail, a little weak, but capable of of some creation masterclass. Um, he's almost Coutinho like. It is, yeah. He he is, and and even some of the goals he scored for us are are Coutinho like. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, that being said, I I like the player a lot. But I do have my doubts about, uh, you know, his physicality, his strength, being able to, um, and we're talking about on the wing now where he's just matched up with fullbacks. I was going to say, don't you think that it makes more sense, though, for him, for him to go from out to in rather than starting inside with his physical limitations? I do. I do. Yeah, I think um, I think him filling in at right wing is the smartest thing for his body type you know um and it's also the smartest thing for us as a squad because if you ask everyone other than obviously center forward if you ask everyone where right now we are weakest i think to a man everybody's gonna say well we've literally got no one other than Saka." yeah and i think that's fair and i think um where viera is still an obvious step down from Saka, because i mean who wouldn't who who wouldn't be you know to be honest um, I, I do think he could still make some stuff happen. And he's obviously more an Arteta player than, you know, someone like Pepe. And I think we've, you know, we've spoken about this again and again, just we weren't going to be paying 90 million for Rafinha to sit on the bench and play League Cup games and, and fill in for the odd minute. That, that's just not going to happen. So an internal solution was always the best for us. I never really bought Reese there. I mean, I just... I don't know. I don't, I just don't see it. I don't see Reese playing over there. I think Reese has always looked better coming off the left, um, and I, I don't know how many minutes he's going to get anyway. So as a squad, the internal solution was always going to be the best solution. Yeah, I think so, Gav. Um, and I, I, I'll, I'll just disagree with you. Um, in theory, I did think Reese could maybe do that, but um, you know, the more we see of him, the more it does look like he's better off the left um well the I... other thing with the other thing with reese and we've got a couple of players that we'll talk about later with this with similar problems is every time we need reese he gets injured yeah yeah mm. and, and that's really rough because I, I i love the kid i love reese um but yeah that's definitely true and i do wonder how much thought went into you know his contract extension um you know given that scenario because we could have used him drastically multiple times, but he's always hurt when he's needed most. You know what I mean? And whenever he gets a run in the team, he goes down. I mean, you know, remember he, he remember against Forrest last year at home. He come on, he scored them two goals. He would have started. He would have started. Were we in the cup in the midweek? I think there was a cup game in the midweek. And it, he would have started. And bang, he's injured again. It's 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 been the case pretty much his whole career. You know, he, he can't string more than like five games together, which is, even though I love the player and no disrespect to the player, I, I, I am kind of surprised we offered him an extension just because, I mean, he's not been available, 
you know. No, we did, you know, we we did the it'll be a big year for and and Reese could easily the only reason I didn't put Reese in it is because I don't think he's going to play enough minutes for it to make it a big year for for him. Um but he could easily fall into that camp where this season could be a, a vital one for him in terms of staying here. Um because I you know, if he can't play, then we can't keep him. Yeah, no, 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 exactly. I mean, in in that's what it's going to boil down to. But I'm going to tell you that even if he's injured a lot of the time, but he scores more goals like he did against Bournemouth. Bournemouth. Yep. Thank you. Um, you know, there's always going to be time for him. I feel like there there's these these Hollywood real moments for some of these players that uh you know carry them. I think Emil Smith Rowe has been guilty of that as well. Um. But all that to be said, I, I we talked about uh, Nelson, you know, at length multiple times. I, I I like the player. I wanted him to sign, but uh, all of that being said, I mean, I I don't know if he's going to be worth it. Gav, your thoughts? Yeah, well, that's I mean, that's one that's gonna that's one we're just gonna have to wait and see. Like I said, I don't think he's gonna play many minutes, so we'll we'll get to it at the end of the year. These stuff is always judged in hindsight. So I'm sure the the wages aren't. Uh, well, again, we'll have to see because I haven't heard yeah. any reports on wages. I heard they were gonna. I haven't either. Up. We'll no. see. Paz Zinchenko is becoming a worry. He was injured what in April with a calf injury. Mm-hmm. This has been three months now. He's still not back. I don't know what's going on with this game for Ukraine thing where him and Shevchenko are uh, managing opposite sides. I I heard he was going to play in that next week, which would be mad if he plays in that, having played no preseason whatsoever. Um, I also don't know if his focus is on that. And and let's be fair, the guy's got a country that's at war. So I'm I'm, I'm under no illusions that that he's got stuff on his mind other than what's going on. Um, But Paz, it's, it's got to be a it's got to be a concern, and it is it's looking Timber looks a better better signing by the day because it looks like we're going to need him. Yeah, and I think that's exactly why Timber was signed. I think everyone's just automatically assumed he's replacing Ben White, which was I don't think the intention at all. I think he's someone that can play across the back four. We've talked about this already, even possibly, which I don't think will happen, but even in the sixth role. So I think he his uh, the left back now. You see Tierney's done. That's not happening. Surely he's going to be sold if we can get a suitable bidder for him or buyer for him. Um, but, um, yeah, he's worrying for me because he's not even really playing much international football. It's not as if, you know, he's been been inundated with loads of games and that's why, you know, he's struggling. So I think we're going to have to come to the realisation and kind of City did had that as well with him where he's when he's available he's a starter but there is going to be a lot of games I think he's not going to be available for um um, although I would love to um have him do these conversations with Rio Ferdinand more often explain to him what an inverted fullback (laughs) role is because that was just tv gold for me Um, I I tell you what though it makes it a bit more worrying with Zinchenko Mm. because of how important he is to us like there's not many players more important to the way we play than Zinchenko. And I think Timbers looked looked great so far. I think Timbers looked good pretty much everywhere we've we've put him. Mm. But he's not Zinchenko. Do no. you know what I mean? Like like that's just he's not as good as Zinchenko. And I think that is adding to 
the little bit of difficulty maybe that Rice and Havertz are having in that they haven't got Zinchenko there. I think it would have been an easier transition had Zinchenko been there. It could also be the reason why he played Rice and Party together because there wasn't that cover in midfield as there is when Zinchenko plays. You know, so I, I you're right, 100% right. It's a problem because he's so, so important to this team. It's it, it really is. He's such a smart player as well. You can see it when he sport, speaks. He's just so intelligent. Um, I, I, it, it is a concern. I've already voiced this before. Um, so I'm hoping he's I, if he's half if he's three quarters of the way there. I wouldn't play him in that Community Shield game. I'd just wait for the opening game of the season. Yeah, I don't see any way he plays on. He plays on Sunday. I don't think he's going to play opening game of the season either. I think we're going to see the first few weeks with with Timber at left back. Um, mm. Just the other area, and just to round out the uh, the Monaco game and the and the effects of it and everything else. The other area is obviously Gabriel Jesus being injured again. I was actually quite relieved to find out that it was the same knee because it's just a clean-up operation, which is a lot better than if it was a if it was a new injury. Um, I agree with Paz in that I think Trossard is going to start, but we can't look past the fact that Arteta knew this before the Monaco game and he still started Eddie and not Trossard up there. And Eddie was also captain for the day, which is a bit more symbolic I think I don't really read too much into the fact that he was captain for the day it was just everyone else was off the pitch um but just you you know you share the fact that I think it's it's a good thing that it was the same knee for for Jesus and that who do you think is going to start up Tom yeah I do I think it's a a great thing that it was just mostly a cleanup um there's a popular redditor LA to Philly and I'm gonna give him his you know his claps. Uh, he does a great job. He's like a, a, a like a surgeon and physical therapist, and he goes on a big Arsenal fan, and he goes on to explain how all these surgeries and injuries and stuff like that happen. Check him out if you haven't. Uh, it's awesome. I mean, he does a really good job explaining him. But all that being said. I do think it's going to be Eddie. I think there's a big reason why Mikel Arteta is like bigging him up right now. The captain's armband was, I mean, that's a, that's a pretty big deal. I think. Um, I think something to bring up here, Judge, real quick is that yeah, Chuck sure. did really well at the end of last season. Right. But let's not forget that Eddie was also injured at the end of last season, right? Eddie Eddie had them games without scoring and we said he don't look right. It was, it was, it was the Everton game, wasn't it? He don't look right. There's, there's something there's something looks wrong. And we found out afterwards that he was injured and that's what it took for Trossard to come in. So it's possible that Arteta does see Eddie as the man there and, and Trossard was just doing a job because Eddie was out as well. Yeah, of course, Gaff. Um, and I, I think, um, I think, I think Eddie could very well start, but I think we all would prefer Trossard, no? Well, it's the link play, isn't it? I mean, when you look at it, our biggest threat is from out wide, right? If you were to say who are our most dangerous players, you wouldn't be naming you you wouldn't be naming Havertz, you wouldn't be naming even Jesus. You'd be saying it's Saka and it's Martinelli. So that the purpose of that person is actually to feed Martinelli and Saka, not necessarily to go on his own. To me, that's why it would be Trossard if it was my choice, because Trossard is a link man. 
And I would I... rather have my, my wide players involved more centrally than have Eddie up there holding the middle and having them try to supply him. Yeah, no, 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 no. I feel the same way. Yeah, um, I think that makes the most sense. Um, but, yeah, man, you know, there's a lot of uh, mixed conviction with Eddie. And, um, I mean, I'm still hoping he's going to be the one that sold. This is just a, a, a fan's opinion. But um, it does look like Arteta's ready to continue with him as, like, the main nine in Jesus's absence. Yeah, I think that's that's going to be the big one from the weekend for me. I think that's the biggest that's the biggest question. So, all right, guys, well, let's leave the first half there. We'll come back in the second half. We've got quite a lot of uh, transfers and other news to touch on as well. So that pretty much wraps up the Monaco game and and kind of the charity shield as well. When you think about it, I think we went through uh, we went through pretty much everything for to look forward to Sunday. So let's come back for the second half and we'll we'll talk in about some other stuff around the club. So we'll see you after the break. Hey guys, just a couple of quick halftime messages for you. Firstly, we'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favorite podcast app. It really helps us reach a wider audience, particularly on Apple Podcasts. Secondly, we're on all the social media platforms as The NN Pod. We're really trying to build a strong Guna community. So next time you're on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram, look us up, give us a like or a follow, send us a message, interact with other listeners, or, or just have a look around. Thanks for listening from myself, Paz and Jazz. We really appreciate it. Welcome back into the Non-Negotiables podcast. This is part two. Paz, I'm going to start with you on this one because you didn't get your chance to weigh in on this last week because you were off on your travel saving the world. Um, yep. David Raya, mm. The it looks like it's quite far along now the personal terms have been agreed we went in today with a bit of i believe it was 23 plus two for a total of 25 million um i think they said that basically it looks like somewhere between 25 and 30 is going to get it done i think it's almost certain at this point that it is going to get done what are your thoughts on this deal overall it's a weird one because it's it, it it did take me by surprise. I think Harvard's also was kind of that that took me by surprise. This one has probably surprised me even more. Um, but now when I think about it, what it seems to me is I think Matt Turner made it clear he wants to leave. I think that's what's that's just my my assumption. I think he made it clear he wants to leave, and I think this is us now looking for competition to Ramsdale, but not Turner-esque, someone who actually is as close to Ramsdale as you could possibly get. Uh, bearing in mind that we've got a long season ahead, we've got cup games, we've got Champions League games. Um, and I think this is someone you you would look at. And if he was number one, I, I like Ramsdale. I really do. And I, I would like him as our number one. I love him as our number one. I know he makes mistakes. He's 20, 25. It happens. Um, but I think now you have a, someone there that can come immediately in that team, Premier League ready um, and very good in a lot of aspects of what we're looking for in a goalkeeper. And he can come in and you would think is adequate enough to uh, perhaps in some respects better. But um, 
I, I, it, it surprised me, but I think I understand the move because I think it really was probably determined by by Turner wanting to leave. And therefore, we thought, well, we don't want to go in the market and look for a Turner-type player again like last year. We're in different competitions this year, and um, we're going to be challenging as well for the league. Um, so get the best we can. Do you think maybe Forrest have approached Turner? He's seen a chance to be a Premier League number one and... You know, you can't blame him for it. He's, you know, because he's, let's be fair, you don't get in, in a career like that, you're probably not going to get too many chances. You know, he's only 13 months removed from being someone that no one in England had ever heard of playing for the New England Revolution. So you think it's a, it's kind of like Forrester approached him and his head's been turned a little bit. It seems like that. And I think, you know, he probably would make more sense for Flores. I don't, their football is not the same as ours. We, we're a lot reliant on the ball playing part of a goalkeeper as well as, of course, the shot stopping everything else. But there's a lot to do with the distribution of a goalkeeper. He really wasn't that goalkeeper. Um, so I think his head was turned. It made sense for him. He stays in the Premier League, even though his his uh, status in the national team is pretty nailed on. I think he still wants to play regularly like any pro would. Um, so we've seen a chance with Rice with someone um, that Arteta has admired, like Jorginho was. And he's seen a year left on his contract. Great opportunity to move in. Uh, if you can get Taylor for like 15, perhaps, then you're not spending as much as you you probably would have been spending on Rye like a year before. Um, so it's, it, it, I think it does make sense when you think of it in that way. Jos, are you a little bit concerned about the Matt Turner Forest thing after all the revelations came out about Nottingham Forest and the millions of pounds that they're owing agents and players like you know these deals are obviously all paid in installments let's say we got 12 million for Matt Turner and they want to pay two million up front and then three three equal payments over the next two years would you be a little bit worried about that with these revelations I mean the guy that owns them is the Greek guy that owns Olympiakos he uh in the words of uh, my Greek friend Pantelis he's dodgy as fuck so you, you've got to be a little <laughs> bit concerned, right? Uh, yeah, of course. I mean, yeah, you've got to be a little bit concerned, I think. Um, there's also the fact that in as crazy as this sounds to maybe most of the listeners, um, man, the fee we're going to get for Turner is going to be, you know, it's, it's chips, right? Like it, it it's, it's going to be minor, I think um, this 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 whole investigation is going to hurt them and maybe prevent them from bringing him on, but um, I don't think we really care uh, as long as they'll pay. Yeah, I mean that's that's the worry. Is this as long as they as long as they do pay, you don't want them getting right. wound up, and all of a sudden you end up taking pennies to the pound. That's yep. you know that's that's kind of where it where it kills you, and also Paz like for for Turner, I know he wants to go and play, but you would think if they're talking about unpaid wages to players, I don't know if it's current players or past players. To be fair, because I haven't read that far in depth, it might be players that have left and the guy just don't want to pay. I'm I'm not sure, um, but it would probably make you think twice, right, before you sign on the dotted line. Yeah, probably, um, probably. Um, I. I really don't know that. I've seen I've I've seen that news about them, but um, 
I haven't really been too engulfed in in the ins and outs. Are they suggesting that there could be some repercussions for them in terms of future sales or uh, future purchases? Well, so or far it mean... seems it's more likely that the agents and the players involved are going to sue Nottingham Forest um, if they don't get these outstanding wages. But they're talking about apparently it's millions of pounds. So. Mm. You know, you you never know what's going to happen there. If there's millions of pounds, they lose a judgment against them. Who knows what the guy's going to do? I mean, the guy seems a bit of a fruit loop, the guy that owns him. So who knows what he's going to do next? So I guess that's one that's one to monitor we're going to see over the next week. I, I guess it goes back to Justin's point. I know that, that you know, I'm, I'm sure that's undeniable, all of that information. But, but I think the fee is not that high, is it? I don't think it's going to be breaking the bank or anything to get him and also the wages as well. So perhaps it wouldn't maybe have the effect. Um, but yeah, you, obviously I would hope they would have, um, you know, make sure they get their money on this one. And just the other one that's come about today, um, it seems like Inter are back in for Balogun again. Mm-hmm. We all love dealing with Serie A clubs. It's fantastic. <laughs> um, they all want 100 million for all their players, but they've got no money when it comes to buying your players. Uh, I'm told so, that the reason Inter Milan have got no money is they're owned by a Chinese property company. And apparently you can buy a property in China right now for a bag of Doritos. So I I, I don't think, uh, I think that's the reason for that. But just, it, it does look like things are moving. I think Paz hit on it earlier that Balogun, he is out the door. He is gone. I don't, I don't see any way back for this. Um, they're talking 30 million and we're trying to get up to 35. I think we were hoping for more than that. But this looks like a deal that's, that's I don't, I'm not saying this deal is going to get done, but it looks like that 30, 35 million is probably what we're going to be looking for at the end of the day. Yeah, I think this is something that's going to disappoint a lot of fans. Um, I think a lot of fans want to see Balogun, you know, given a chance. Um, But I I don't think it's going to happen. I think if we get a solid offer, we're going to take it. And um, I I, I agree with you. And I think 30, I think if we can push up to 35 million, I think that is a decent offer, Paz, right? Like, you'd be happy with £35 million for him. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a good return, isn't it? I mean, it's not someone that we've we've uh, spent a lot of money on. Um, he's hardly played for us at all. So you're recuperating, you're, you're getting a, a pretty sizable sum of money for a player that's not even played. He's from the youth team. It's kind of what we wanted to to get more of, isn't it, from players that aren't regulars for us and they're from the youth team and we're getting a sizable amount of money. I, I don't think um, you can complain at that. I'm, I'm on with Justin on that. I would have loved to have seen him play more often. I, I do like that type of striker. Um, but, you know, there, there must be also an... I, I'm, I'm again speculating, but there must be an attitude thing going on here because, um, you know, I think... Um, and this is just not not saying this has happened, but I remember what Mikel said about Saliba. When Saliba came back, he apparently had been quoted to say that he gave him the cold shoulder on purpose to see what his reaction would be. That that and obviously Saliba's reaction was to work harder, to prove himself, etc. Maybe there was a similar circumstance with Balogun. He came back, gave him the cold shoulder, and he just thought, you know what, fuck this, I want to go and play regular somewhere else. So. I don't know, but there seems to be something that's that's gone 
gone missing there, which has ended up in him being sold, which is likely to happen. I, I think it's perfect for him to go there, actually, to Inter Milan. I'd love him to go there because that way I don't need to see him play. I don't need to hear about him. We hardly play against them. That's perfect. And we get some good, decent amount of money for him. Yeah, I agree, Paz. Uh, honestly, I, I, I think that would be the best case scenario for him. I think there is some weird disconnect uh, mm. between Arteta and Balogun. Um, I think there, there, you know, there's got to be something that he's clearly not showing uh, in training. And Arteta sees him every day. We don't, right? Yeah. That's something that every fan has to remember. Arteta sees him every day, and we do not. Um, and he also sees Eddie. Um, so as much as I, me, sorry, uh, cat just walked across my keyboard. <laughs> uh, as much as I would like to see, uh, Balogun take Eddie's spot, uh, I just think, you know, uh, it's wishful thinking at this point. And, um, you know, just- I, just, Arteta loves Eddie, right? Like, so Eddie yeah, must yes. do everything in training that Balogun doesn't do because he's constantly talking about how how good Eddie's attitude is, how much he's how you know how much he's trying to get in the team. So Eddie obviously does stuff that that Balogun just isn't doing. Yeah, exactly, and and that's what it's got to be. And I I think that's the hardest part for like fans to understand because. You know, you know, fans are frustrated because they're like, oh, yeah, we've watched Eddie now for two seasons, two and a half seasons, whatever it is. Um, and he's, you know, done X, Y, Z, but they don't see what they're doing in training. And I think that is the meal ticket for Arteta. You know what I mean? If you don't train well, you know, fuck off, basically. We're also learning, though, right? Like, like we're learning a lot under Arteta because he's using roles and... It, roles are roles are more important than positions, right? In this team, we've we've spoken about this before. Roles are more important than positions, and he's using players and roles in things that we've never seen before, and in ways that we don't really understand. Do you do you think there's something we're not seeing with the way Eddie plays that role? Where I mean, and, and let's be fair, Eddie was very good against Monaco. I, I, I want to make that very clear. Eddie was really good in every facet game. As poor as he was against Man United, he was as good against Monaco. He was coming back, giving the ball, spinning in behind. Obviously, he got his goal, which is which is great. But there's something about the way Eddie plays that role that Arteta seems to like. Yeah, no, 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 no. I absolutely think that's true. And I think um, Arteta is one to reward, uh, you know, fighting hard in training. Um, I think there is definitely something there. And I, but, you know, what I wonder is that, oh, what kind of message has been sent to Balogun? Um, Has it been a message that, like, you know, we're already not considering you, so... Well, let's flip that round, though, Just, because Balogun sent a message to us very clearly early on that he wanted to go. You know, you there, can... there is, you know we're, we're looking at this, everybody, you know, I'd love to see Balogun given a chance, but Balogun sent a message early on that he wasn't looking for a chance. He was looking for a move. And I think I, I spoke to, I was speaking to someone on Twitter about this, and they said that, sure. um, 
you know, Balogun was uh, Balogun was being out of order because he thinks he's good enough to lead the line for Arsenal, but he, he wants Arsenal to drop their drop their asking price. And my point was, well, Balogun never said he was good enough to lead the line for Arsenal. Balogun said he wanted to lead the line somewhere. Balogun yeah. might think that he's probably not ready for a club like Arsenal. So for him, maybe he's better off going to a, a, a club that isn't quite in our position right now, where he can lead the line for a couple of years and maybe get to that level. Oh, uh, sorry, Gaff. You're asking my opinion on this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, is it okay. you know, is it is it Balog- has Balogun sent the message rather than us sending the message to Balogun, basically? Well, I I guess um, where that comes from is how how much you believe the papers. You know, I I've kind of been under the opinion that Balogun never said that. Uh, doesn't that doesn't that seem an, a, a really ridiculous request for a player like Balogun to put that out? I don't out. think it is. I think it's a completely rational request for someone that isn't going to lead the line for Arsenal. He's 22. He's just had his first year leading the line. I think it's a perfect rational request to do that. And everything to, we've to seen... To be a starter? Happened... To, to be a starter at Arsenal. He didn't ask that. He didn't ask to be a starter at Arsenal. This is my point. He, has to be he part didn't of the ask first to be a starter. He asked to go somewhere to be a star. He never said he wanted to lead the line at Arsenal. He said he wanted to lead the line. So to me, it makes more sense for him. And and everything we've seen since leads to that being true, right? He's not been involved. He's been kind of trained on his own. He's been kept away. He looks like he's being primed for a move. So it all makes sense. I don't think he was saying, I'm better than Gabriel Jesus. I think he's saying, I'm better than someone who plays for, I don't know, pick a club at random. He, he's saying, I can lead the line for Brighton or I could lead the line for West Ham. I think that's what he's saying. And he probably could, but didn't just like, Six days after he said that, he also said, I didn't say that. I just meant I wanted to be part of the first team squad. I mean, I didn't see that, but that kind of seems like the thing you would say if you said it and then regretted saying it in public. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll give you that. Yeah, yeah. I'll give you that. <laughs> so, yeah. So, I mean, it looks, it does look like that one's coming to an end. And, and quite frankly, we don't know where Balogun's career is going to go. With that, I mean, maybe he turns out to be great. I think as long as there's a decent sell-on fee in there, if we got 35 million and then 25% of anything over top of that the next time out or something, I think that would be that would be perfectly acceptable. Yeah, and you'd want to do a sell-on with Inter Milan because they seem to make good profit out of the sales that they make. So Chelsea'd I think that would be a no-brainer. Yeah, Chelsea would be buying him for 100 million a couple Absolutely. of years. Absolutely. I think it's a no- or what was the other guy, Onana, who uh, United have just bought? Yeah, they free transfer, for free. 55 50 million, 12 That's- months later. Fucking yeah, but yeah. So I, I I would absolutely be hunting them down. I'd absolutely pushing forward that uh, sell on clause for that sure. That should be Hundreds. that should be easy to get in there as well because they've got no money, right? So and yeah, Italian clubs are more used to that. They're yeah, more used and, to and it, and they can't well. pay what we want. So the compromise yeah. is the future fee. That's the compromise. But, but guys, uh, can I ask the bigger question? Why when a player scores twenty two? Right, twenty-two or was it twenty-one? I think it was twenty-one, but whatever. Twenty-one, close okay. enough. In in legal, uh, oh, <clears throat> <laughs> thanks, Yav. Uh, why is he not in more demand? Because a player can score sixteen in the Scottish league, and he'll he'll be a hundred million. Is you want to go, by, want I, to go I, by Alex Lacazette? Well, I think 30. also. But I think also there's an element of Arsenal of kind of they know he's not a regular at Arsenal. They know he's not going to be. He's at the 
you know, he's being played behind Eddie Nketiah. So clubs are going to look at that and think, well, why are we going to pay over the odds for someone who's not even going to be a regular for Arsenal at all? And they're more likely going to want to sell him than keep him. Should he be behind Eddie? But my, my point my point was this a couple of weeks ago when we talked about this, right? Sure. You are not buying a Ream striker that scored 21 goals last season. You are buying Arsenal's fourth choice striker, right? That's what you are buying. So You're buying Arsenal's youth product yeah. what, that scored yeah. 21 goals on loan at Ream. Yeah, but he's not important to Arsenal. If you bought him off of Ream, he would be very important to Ream. But, but he's a youth product. Exactly. Why would anyone pay the money for him? I, I don't think I thought fifty million was always a pipe dream. Yeah, uh, same. same. I'm pretty, That's too much. I think 30, 30, 35 million is a, is a decent fee for him. Yeah, me too. Yeah, um, thirty five is decent. But, but yeah. look at Jack. Look, look. What if Arsenal put Jack up after that uh, two thousand nine Barca game? But that's different because you're looking at someone who's an integral part of the Arsenal midfield at that point. He, that, he that's really a wasn't. a different scenario to he, a player that's been on loan at Ream for a year. It's a different scenario. That, that, that's the thing, Justin. And also, if you're a club... But he, you, he never was an integral part. I mean, injuries, I guess, made that he was, happen. He was, starting in, he was starting in midfield at that, that point. That Barcelona game, he was one of our main midfielders. Yeah, he was starting all the time for us. And that's not what you're buying with Balogun. It's just not. If you were buying him off Reem, yes, they would want more money for him than we can demand. But he would be more important to them than he is to us. He's just not important to us. you know. And that adds into the value. We paid all that money for Declan Rice because Declan Rice is the most important player that West Ham have had for two decades. That's why we paid all that money for all that money for Declan Rice. That's what pushed that fee up there. If Declan Rice played for Juventus, right? Juventus probably would want a ton of money. So it's maybe not a bad example. But if he was another player, hundred and twenty, hundred thirty, yeah. But if he yeah. was just a good player in a good midfield, that would be different because you wouldn't, you wouldn't, they wouldn't need him as much. When I you're did. the main man somewhere, the price is going to go up. I get what you're saying, a hundred percent, and I do agree, but. The, there, there is something wrong with this. I think. Um, well, the transfer market's broken, right? It's, yeah, the transfer not, market is it, is fucked. It's not yeah. this deal. It, it's the whole. It's the whole thing. A Premier League club come knocking, and and this is the problem, right? When a Premier League club come knocking, the price flies all the way up. When a Premier yeah. League club knock, yeah, the Premier League clubs haven't come knocking for Balogun. That's the issue here. Is that they? Who haven't do you come think knocking. that is? Right, Should Chelsea we went that? and bought Chelsea. Chelsea have got now looks like the Vlahovic swap is going ahead. They've got Nkunku and they signed that um, the other forward Jackson. Is it? I can't remember. His yeah, name. Jackson. Jackson. Yeah. yeah. So they yeah. they signed they signed them. If Chelsea had wanted Balogun, then fifty million would have been the bare minimum. But that's not who wants him, and and that is the issue that we're that's the issue that we're facing. I think so. It is what it is. But like I said, if we can get 35 million with a sell-on clause, I am more than happy with that. I think that's great, great work. Yeah. Um, I think, I think 35 that, million would be fair. Yeah, yeah. Just, to, just to close the argument. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Paz, it seems like a second Turkish club have uh, joined in the race for Pepe. When I say the race, I mean, uh, you know. I what, know the free know. transfer race? Yeah. The, the Paying off his contract <laughs> race. Yeah. So it seems, um, <laughs> seems that uh, Fenerbahce have, uh, have joined. Oh, great. Yeah, well, you know. It, I mean, it don't make just... a difference to us where he goes. One way or the other, we're cancelling the contract. I think he's basically yeah. what it comes down to. Um, yeah. That, yeah. That's, he's been, apparently he's been told by Arteta not to come to training to stay away. Yeah, he's, I, I 
I don't know. You know, I don't want to read too much into all of this, but I, I do find it. I don't know. I've never seen Pepe's never seen someone who's had a really bad attitude or someone who's come out. But I guess maybe it's just to really highlight been the fact differently, though, right? Because I mean, he's even been taken when the, when the Emirates Cup programs came out. His name wasn't even on the program. Cedric's yeah, it, on there. I just feel I don't know. Is he? Did he do something? I'd I'd love to know more about that because look. El Nenny's not a big feature in this Arsenal team, injured or not, but yet there is a lot more time for him. There's a lot more respect for him. I just feel there's a, I don't know what he's done wrong, but it just seems like an, he's ostracized to a level which is kind of extreme to me. Um, I know I don't he think was... it's commensurate with his talent either, because one thing I'll say about I think Pepe gets a little bit of a raw deal. Right? I, I, because I think Pepe is better than people give him credit for. His record for us, I think he got 27 goals in 100-something games, right? So his average was around about one in four, which considering most of his most of his games came off the bench, it's it's not bad. He, he just, it was the, all right, it was the wrong team at the wrong time. And I'm not saying he should be playing for us because clearly he shouldn't. He's, he's at the wrong club. But the stink that's on him, I don't think he's earned. Hey, no, just compare him to Anthony and, and Sancho. Absolutely. And that was that was what I was going to say. When you compare to other signings that we've seen and that the far less scrutiny, it's pretty, pretty crazy. I mean, it's a bit weird with Pepe because in some respects, you look at it and say he's hard done by the what, what people say about him. And then in other respects, there's some Arsenal fans that think we're going to get 20 million for him. We're not. We're because not. it's no. just not going to happen. So it's, it, but I agree. I feel there's this, we, I, I don't know what he's done to Arteta, though. That's what I find quite. Do you, do you think though, Paz, that this might be, this might be embarrassment of the deal itself? Like, because kind of that's kind of how it, it, it almost comes. Across. Like they just want him out of there, and they don't want him in sight. And I'm just, you know, we all, we've all got our suspicions about what happened with that deal, right? Let's be fair. Mm. We, it, it happened six months later or eight months later, whatever it is, we're seeing. Role Sanyehi being marched out of the building with his belongings in a cardboard box. We've all got, we've all got our suspicions about what happened during that deal. Maybe, but do you think they just want him out of the way? Maybe, point? but then you know this guy was the one that had played a big part in us winning the FA Cup when Arteta's yeah. first season. You know, so it wasn't as if Arteta never played the guy. He did play him. He then just weirdly went after William the season after, which was kind of strange because he, he just got ostracised for me in a manner which was like he's done something wrong. I know there, there probably would be embarrassment behind that deal, but that's nothing to do with Arteta. And you could argue it's nothing to do with Edu either. I don't think it is anything to do with any Edu. So I, I just feel the treatment of him, there must be reasons for it. So I'm not saying there aren't, but it just seems strange. It seems, I, I don't know. I just feel a little feel kind of sorry for him because it's not like he's come out in the press and said anything like Lukaku or said anything bad if anything he's been pretty pretty reasonable I think considering his position so I don't know it's a very strange one but yeah it looks like he's going to be paid off and um, yeah we're going to move on which will go down probably in our history as one of the worst transfers ever made yeah it was a dis- it's a disaster of a move there's no doubt about it. looking back it's a disaster of a move I, I've got no bad feelings towards no I mean, no like none at all no, I, I, I just yeah it just, you know, it just didn't work. It's as simple as that. Work. We tried it and it, it, it didn't work. And I mean, let's be fair. It was a Raul money laundering scheme. I think <laughs> we all know that. I, I would like it noted for the pod that uh, it wasn't me that said that. 
Yeah, it was. <laughs> it was me. <laughs> but it's, yeah. It, yeah, I mean, we, you know, we like I said, we've all got our suspicions about that deal. There's, there's no doubt about it, and it's yeah. that maybe, maybe in twenty years' time, it'll be Tim Lewis writing a book, and uh, and we'll we'll find we'll find out. All about I, I will. Lewis. I do. I am intrigued to know what happened with that deal. I really am intrigued <laughs> to know, and I'm intrigued to know what's happened with Pepe since. I, I I do feel for the guy though, honestly. I, I mean, I've never had. I'm like you. I've never had any animosity to him. Uh, and just, I, I, I mean, just I hope wherever he goes, I, I I really do hope he tears it up wherever he goes. Yeah. I mean, yeah. All, all the all the looking back now at Raúl, and again, I'm not you Don know Raúl. The summer of Don Raúl. <laughs> Different knock, right? Yeah. Um, all of the Kia Jarabjian signings look sketchy as hell, right? Am I right? Yeah, we saw. They they looked it at the time. Like that is not even with with hindsight. Like they looked it at the time. I mean, there's no one who there's no one who looked at Cedric and went, "There's a player we should be giving a four year deal on a hundred grand a week." Yeah, except obviously Kia. Kia thought that we should. Yeah, yeah, Kia, Raúl. Yeah, yeah. Um, I didn't. I didn't mind Cedric. I remember watching him at Southampton and thinking he was pretty good. I would have never given him a four year deal with a hundred k. Cedric, Cedric's a funny one because Cedric, I agree with you, at Southampton early doors, he actually looked like a pretty good player. I mean, he's, he he's did, got yeah. 50 caps of Portugal or something. But yep. something happened with him there as well. And then he went to Inter Milan and he barely played at Inter Milan on loan. And then he went back. And then that was the weirdest part. They canc- Inter Milan cancelled his loan because he couldn't get in a team. And all of a sudden, we're paying a loan fee. I think we paid about three million quid in a loan fee when he was injured and didn't play at all that season. And then agreed to pay him a hundred grand a week for four years after that. So I, we know, we really no got problem. the bad end of Kia's deals as well. I mean, we like did. this is the guy. Oh, that, this yeah. guy, you know, we brought Tevez, Mascherano, and then we get Cedric. You know, yeah. we really got the rough end. It was yeah, bad and he, times. And, for us. and he uh, apparently proclaims to be a gooner as well. I, I, I didn't see. No, uh, I didn't see much of it to be honest. The bastard. The bastard. <laughs> Spurs fan, I think. Yeah. So. We've uh, with Jesus set to miss probably six weeks, maybe maybe eight weeks by the time he gets back up to speed and stuff. Paz, you think there's any chance we go looking for a centre forward in this awful, awful centre forward market? I mean, I thought maybe there was a shot at Vlavic, but obviously now it looks like he's going Chelsea to be swapped for for Lukaku. I just don't see anyone out there. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you look at what um, what's his name, Hoyland, Hoyland, um, the one that United bought. Yeah, eighty five million for a guy that scored nine goals. I mean, again, crickets with that, with that, you know, what seventy million for someone who scored eight goals for Atalanta, and you know, there's no, there's nothing to suggest there could he could there could be immense potential, but there's nothing to suggest this guy's going to tear it up like Haaland or someone like that. And so for us, if, we, we need yeah. someone ready now, right? Like, yeah, exactly. We don't need if, potential. We need someone who's going to come in and play uh, now. If you want potential, just keep Balogun for another year. We're, if exactly. that's what you're looking for. And to but, be fair, their names are really similar. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, Hoyland and Haaland? Yeah. 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 I, oh. I, I, do, I do think... Um, I, I Got to shoot your shot, them. right? <laughs> Got to shoot your shot. What was that? Got to shoot your shot, right? Yeah, yeah. Go ahead, pause. Sorry. <laughs> I love your cat in the background. I love how chill oh. it is. It's a typical oh, yeah, Maine yeah, yeah. coon. 
We're going to be on main coup. Just, a, just just a little uh, a little a little uh, unveiling of a secret. We're actually going to move on to uh, be available on YouTube from next week. Yes, and, this uh, is just. And yeah, and I think you, you'll probably get acquainted with Jazzy's cat quite well. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, he's always there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, there. What is it with cats and when you're on when you're working? It's something weird about when you're working on your laptop and your computer. They always tend to come by. It's so strange. But when you call them, the fuckers ignore you. Just, oh yeah, it's just cats for you, yeah. isn't it? He barely likes me. Yeah, yeah when you're busy, like... they turn up, you know? So, so they're, uh, a bit like, they're a bit like Pepe. They just don't follow instruction. <laughs> no. <laughs> but, but what the difference will be, I won't be ostracizing them, though. Um, <laughs> I am, um, yeah, I, I don't even know what we're talking about. What were we talking the, the about? Oh, violence. Yeah, the striker is there, market. Is there any chance I, we could go into the striker I, market? I don't think so. I don't think so. I just think it's too... It's too saturated. It's too difficult. Um, you mean, even the strikers that, that Chelsea are getting... Blavich, what does that suggest that he's going to do well? He's been pants since he's been bought by Juventus. Didn't really do much scoring. His scoring goals is one of his biggest problems. So it's quite funny. Again, Chelsea have gone for a player that's not known to score goals. Um, so I think, I, I don't think we're going to be going for I think we just, with Trossard, Jesus, perhaps Harvard and Nketiah. I think that's what our striking situation will be like. And it's not as if we lacked goals last season either. People seem to forget that. We scored the most goals and we scored in many, many years. So I, I, I don't think it's going to happen. I was just going to say, pause. I mean, what would you like to see happen? Would you, like, ideally and, and, and quickly, I guess, because we're almost out of time, but... Um, I'd, I'd, lo- I'd love us to have a striker that's, that can adequately replace Jesus. I just don't see where that striker is. Yeah. Unless it's someone that's full of potential and we're spending yeah, a shitload that's what of money. I was going to say because the only real—I mean, I guess the only name that you could throw out there might be Muani, but then you're buying potential. You're not buying a finished yeah. product. You're buying someone that yeah. might be good. And I—I just—I don't know. I'm not sure that we. I don't think that's where we're at. We're kind of built to win now, mm. and I—I I don't think what we need is another player that might be good. So you guys would uh, ju- just to be clear. Uh, you guys would kind of turn your nose up at uh, uh like Vlaovic interest. I wouldn't. Or... I I wouldn't. It looks like he's going Chelsea anyway. But I I wouldn't. I would have taken. I would have taken Vlaovic. I think it's worth the. I think it's worth the punt. Um, but he was, but, but was that, he 70, 80 million again. That but this is the 70, thing. Has. I, I mean, that, yeah, that shows you how bad the striker market is. Because, the striker market is. I mean, horrible. what, yeah. what alternatives well, are you looking at? Because Poland is. is I mean, the they ain't perfect. selling us Harry Kane, right? So. Yeah, let's wait a year and sign him. Just Sol Campbell 2.0. You know what we should... I, I'd like like to find that. Maybe we can do it for the next podcast. What was the stats of Eddie Nketiah and Vlavic in terms of goals over the last season? I'd like okay. to just see. What, what, what would be interesting to see? Assists and goals. Uh, Eddie doesn't get many assists. But goals-wise, was is there a big difference? What did, and then what would you shell out 70 million? I'll pull him up. Got, let's uh, see. I'm curious too, Pass. Go Eddie ahead. got five in the league, right, last year? Okay. Mm-hmm. Is that league and cups or just league? That's, that's, I don't think he scored in the cups last year, actually, Eddie. I think he only got only scored in. Oh, not league. Europa. I don't think he scored in Europe. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah, I don't think he did. So Vlavic, Vlavic got ten last year, and he got seven the year before. I'm only doing league. Ten last year and seven the year before. Actually, it don't matter if you include the cups because he don't score any in them either. <laughs> okay, so he's gonna he's gonna cost you seventy million. 
just from that alone, and he scored 10 goals as opposed to Luketi's five. I, yeah. I, I don't see it. But pause. I'd like to point you in the direction of every Juventus fan ever saying that uh, Allegri is playing terrorist football and not <laughs> creating chances. I, I, will you, you know I, mean? I will say this for Vlavic. That is true for last year, right? But the mm, year before... Yeah. The year before, he scored 24 goals in Serie A. He scored seven for, for Juventus after January when he moved, and he scored 17 for Fiorentina. The year before, he got 21 in 37 in Serie A. Okay. So I, I would take the, I would like to take the chance on on Vlavic. I would. He's only 24 as well. Um, yeah. So I, he reminds I, me a bit of of Van Nistelrooy. Yeah, I, I would take. Well, he's a cunt. Um, oh, I, yeah. I would take the, uh, I would take the chance on on Blavich, but like I said, I think it looks like he, to him to Chelsea's already wrapped up, and um, he's playing for Chelsea. That's already made him a cunt. Hasn't yeah, it? that's true. So yeah, so anyway, I I don't see I don't see that happening. Mm. Yeah. So, all right, all right, guys. Well, thank you very much for uh, for this evening, and we'll be um, we'll be back after the Community Shield, where we will uh, we will be on YouTube for better or worse. You can all. See what we look like, and you can see. Oh, it's dangerous! It's dangerous! Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can meet just you, you can decide that I'm your favorite because I'm the best looking. But he it's really paused. Honestly, look at him. Comes on. <laughs> <laughs> With your cat there, you definitely win, mate. That's what oh, he's going man. for. He's going. He's way over there yeah. now. He's, he's going for the. He's going for the fluffy animal boost. He's way over there. <laughs> yeah, but all right, guys. Yeah. Well, We'll uh, we'll catch up after the game on uh, after the game on Sunday, and then obviously we'll do uh, we'll do a big uh, big preview to the season next week. So thanks Perfect. a lot, guys, and I will see you all soon. All right, good night, good night, good night. Good night.